The fear of not being good enough. Chances are, if you're listening to this, you know exactly what I'm talking about already. You're probably avoiding social media for your business because you're worried about how people will judge you. But you also know you have to talk about your business if you want your business to be successful. If that's you, you're in the right place. What if you allowed yourself to give up the struggle for perfection? What if you really are good enough already? Join me as I talk to entrepreneurs who are working through their fear and imposter syndrome, getting out there and talking about their business and giving us a flossom social media presence. You can do this too. We're going to show you how. I'm your host, Anita Kirkbride. Welcome to Be Flossom, the Good Enough podcast. Today I'm joined by Suzanne Hickey, owner and principal designling at Designling and Company. Her passion for inspiring and functional spaces comes from a lifelong obsession for all things design, earning an interior design certificate from a design school in New York, and 10 years plus design experience. Before launching Designling and Co., Suzanne was most recently honing her craft as an interior design manager at IKEA, where she furthered her love of designing spaces that were both livable and inspirational at just about any style or budget throughout the 47-room showroom. Suzanne's favorite thing about designing spaces is creating a signature style for each client that reflects their own individuality, surprising pops of color, cool vintage treasures, using existing items in new ways, and eco-conscious materials are just some of the elements Suzanne uses in her designs to delight her clients. And Suzanne and I just realized that we have known each other for almost 30 years, which made us both feel really, really old. So on that note, welcome, old friend. (laughs) That's so amazing. It's great (laughs) to be here, old friend. (laughs) So Suzanne and I first met in university about 28 years ago, I'm guessing, when we took our PR degrees at Mount St. Vincent University. And we have seen each other on and off around the city, but we're reconnecting because Suzanne just six weeks ago, launched Designling and Company, her new entrepreneurial adventure, and agreed to help me out with an idea I had for this podcast where I'm going to help a new business owner, that being Suzanne, work through building a no BS social media blueprint, social media plan, content plan here on the podcast so that people can see what it's like to run through that program themselves and see what it's like to work with me and maybe even get some inspiration from the things that we talk about today for their own business. So thank you for agreeing to let me do this because it's kind of personal talking about some of this stuff. So I appreciate that. So start by telling us what is Designling and Company and where did Designling come from? Well, thank you again for having me. I'm excited to be here and it is so crazy how things come around. 30 years is mind-boggling to me. This is my second career. As you noted, I started out as a a PR gal and did that for about 15 years and then uh, decided to follow my real passion, which was interior design. So I retrained and fast forward 10 years, here I am. Uh, For me, I guess I always wanted to do this. I always wanted to run my own business and I saw it as As I got older, as I 
built my experience and expertise. This is, you know, where I wanted to go. And I am super passionate about design for a lot of reasons. And one of them is because I really do believe that good design changes the way people live. And it's about how you feel in your space, which is no different from how you feel in your clothes. And so, you know, most people can relate to that and know, know what it feels like when you're maybe not comfortable in what you're wearing. So, you know, your home has to be the same way. And especially now, our homes are most often our safe places and our sanctuaries. So that is one of the reasons that I get excited about design. But Design Link and Company really came from that around COVID time. Like many others, I kind of had occasion to pause and look around and say, is this really what I want to be doing? Is this how I want to be spending my time? Am I fulfilled? Am I excited? And while my previous role was really awesome and it was a dream job for a while, you know, it was just time. The, the world was telling me it was time to kind of to move on to whatever I wanted to do next. And so I was lucky enough to get into the SEED program here in Halifax, which is a wonderful program. And, you know, halfway through the expectation is that you're ready to launch. And so here I am six weeks into launch as a result of that program. And for me, the biggest thing behind Design Link and Company is really about making interior design more accessible to people. So by that, I mean traditional design and interior design services have been around for a long time and they're wonderful, but they do have a certain perception, let's say. And that perception is, is that they're only for people who can afford that luxury and that it is, you know, time consuming. Tell us where the name Designling came from. I love hearing the stories of interesting company names. That's so funny. Someone asked me that the other day and I, I started my story by saying, I really wish I had a better story <laughs> behind this. But you know what? I read it somewhere in a design magazine and it was talking about a new designer and they referred to them as a designling. And I thought it was really cute, but I also really liked it because it feels fresh and exciting and something new. And so when it came time to start my own business and I was playing around with a lot of different names design lang really uh, resonated with me because my whole goal is to create fresh signature spaces for people. And I thought design lang and company was the perfect name for it. There's nothing wrong with that story. It actually sounds <laughs> kind of similar to the way that I've come up with some of the things I've done. I mean, when I started this podcast, the word flossum came because I was sitting at the table researching interesting words to put in the title of a speech I was about to do. And I ran across the word flossum and I thought, oh, that's that's really cool. I like that. You know, embracing your flaws and being awesome anyway. So oh my I gosh, it's fantastic. Co-opted yeah. it, you know, I took it. I stole it from Tyra Banks. <laughs> I can't really say who I stole design ling from, but I am claiming it right now. Yeah, well, after some research, I found out that Tyra Banks is the one that coined the term, but she doesn't seem to use it anymore. And well, if she comes after me, I'll find a new name. <laughs> but for now, Beef Blossom just really fits what I'm trying to do with the podcast and with my business, encouraging people to just get out there and 
do it and start and try and learn as you go. So perfectionism sucks and we have to get away from that. I really love that approach. I just want to say because that is one of the traps that I fall into. And I think it's because of my past Mm -hmm. um, public relations degree and public affairs. When you're doing brand and reputation management, you have to be so careful with your words and things need to be really well thought out. And while there are some great benefits to that, from an authentic perspective in what I'm doing now, things don't come out perfectly. Mm-hmm. They shouldn't come out perfectly because I'm not perfect and that's okay. But I do sometimes stumble over overthinking that. So be flossom to me is a wonderful philosophy. Well, and it resonates with me because the more we try to be perfect, the more we stress ourselves out, right? Because nothing can ever be perfect. I don't believe perfection exists. We can have really, really good things, really, really Mm -hmm. good relationships, really, really good meals. Are they perfect? Well, I mean, you might say that in the moment, but trying to constantly achieve perfection when you are a busy woman, a mother, an entrepreneur, whatever all the things are that you are, Mm. it just keeps you in a constant state of stress. And that is good for nobody. Totally agree. Yeah, let's not do that that. anymore. No more (laughs) kicking procrastination to the curb is what I said last season. (laughs) All right, so let's get into the No BS Social Media Blueprint planning process and help you hopefully design some of your social media plan as we go and give some people some inspiration for theirs. So the first thing that we talk about is who is your ideal audience? And Mm -hmm. I know you've already done a lot of this work in the SEED program locally, but for the people who are listening, when I ask you if you've got the workbook or if you're coming to talk to me, when I say think about your ideal audience, I don't want you to think about who is following you now or who is commenting on your stuff now. You need to think about who do you want to comment? Who do you want to attract? So who is your ideal audience for your new company? My ideal audience is predominantly women, but not exclusively. Probably between the ages of 30 to 65. That's a loose and obviously a really broad age range. But really, it's people who are interested in interior design. They love home decor. They get excited about that stuff. They read all the magazines. They watch all the HGTV shows, but they don't know how to actually do that themselves. And they are kind of in a price point and a a household income area that isn't really what traditional designers would go after. So it doesn't have to be super high end. And what I'm offering, I hope, is showing people how good interior design doesn't need to be super expensive. It doesn't need to be luxury. And it really, truly can be more accessible to people. And your service, one of the big differentiating points for you, as I understand it, is that you're not in person. You do your stuff all online, right? I mean, you can do in person, but that's not your focus. Yeah. E-design is something that exploded a couple of years ago, actually, before COVID. And then when COVID hit, It just took off like crazy. And in some of the larger centers in Canada and in the U.S., it's quite common. It doesn't seem to have really hit here at all. Actually, I think I'm still the first. 
on the East Coast to offer this kind of service. And so part of my brand and part of what I need to do, I believe, in social media is really uh, start educating people so that they understand how it's possible. And so that they also understand that they get the same level of professionalism, but it's done in a way where it's more flexible. You get to control the schedule. You get to control when you meet with me on Zoom. You get to control how and when you buy things. And you get control to put it all together yourself. And if that makes you uncomfortable, I can certainly give you a list of people who are expert painters or, you know, cabinetry builders or whatever it is that you need to help you do that. So, you know, some parts of it are really well geared towards DIY, but if you're a little bit afraid of that, then there's still some support for you as well. Right. So I am not your target audience. (laughs) I'll tell you (laughs) that right now. I am definitely not for a few reasons. One, I very rarely would watch HGTV. In fact, we just canceled our cable a couple of days ago, so I don't even get it anymore. But, uh, you know, I enjoy watching those shows, but I'm not obsessed with them. I don't look at magazines and I suck at interior design. Like I, I really have absolutely zero interest in it, which actually should make me an ideal client for you because I'd love to have a beautiful space, but I don't have the interest in doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Which is terrible. You know, what you, yeah, what you said is actually really important because my argument would be that maybe you are part of my ideal customer. And the reason is this, not just about having a beautiful space, it really is all about function. Mm-hmm. And how to make those two things work together is where I live. You know, that is my thing. So I'll give you an example. Again, back to current times, people in the last two years have spent way more time at home they ever have. And their spaces have needed to function differently. So whether that's homeschooling kids or working from home or starting your own business from home or having two people work from home, you know, people really quickly realize that trying to do Zoom calls in your kitchen is not very sustainable. And while it's wonderful that we're all so much more relaxed in terms of what the expectation is when people are meeting, you know, it's not always the best to see your bedroom when you're talking about, I don't know what, something else in a professional setting. And so people have realized that their spaces aren't actually functioning the way that they really need to be. And to me, whether or not it's beautiful, function is pretty important. And that's really where it starts. And then the beautiful part comes layered on top of that. So you get both function and beauty. That's really interesting because I think that has been my stumbling block. I have hired an interior decorator before to help pick paint colors and stuff like that because I suck Mm -hmm. at that. But I think the reason I've never taken it further is because I am a very, anybody who's ever met me knows I'm a very direct, very minimalist, very, if it's not... (laughs) How do I say this? If it's not valuable, I don't need to do it. Like I'm not into fluff and extras and tchotchkes around the house and I'm, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I think to me, design has kind of always felt like the beauty part, not Mm -hmm. the function part. And for me to hear you describe it that way is completely different. Like, yeah, you know what? Our upstairs space doesn't function for me as a business owner, which is why, and I know the podcast listeners can't see this. I'm recording this today in my teenage daughter's bedroom with the background blurred out because this is the only closed door 
that I have room to put a desk in and have a closed door to record. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. and, and you know what? That's not unique to you. I mean, the podcast part probably is, but that's the thing. We make do, right? We figure yeah. it out. We do the best that we can and we come up with a totally passable, if not even better than passable kind of solution. And But that is part of, I guess, where the education comes in, in terms of, you know, what I get excited about is really helping people understand how things can function better. And when it functions better, it does change your life. And I know that sounds like a huge exaggeration, but really, if you had less stress around, oh my God, what is my background going to look like? What is this going to sound like? I have to stand at an angle when I'm talking and it's bad for my back or my kids are running around in the background or, you know, we no longer have a guest room. What do we do? I mean, there's, there's so many elements to it and it's really about the function, making Mm -hmm. sure your space functions and the pretty definitely comes afterwards, but you were saying something about really, you know, minimalist. And that's one of my favorite styles is that really look at functionality. And if it's not useful, in fact, I would challenge you to say, if most things don't have at least two uses, you don't have to put them in your space. You can find something better. That's my approach in it. And that's why I start to tackle or at least start that conversation with people who feel exactly like you, because you are not alone in that thought. Well, maybe I am your ideal client then. (laughs) (laughs) We'll talk later again. (laughs) We'll talk later. Okay, so I think I have a pretty good understanding of what your business is and maybe who your ideal client is. We might need to talk Mm -hmm. more about that. But for the purpose of this podcast, I think I do. And I love that you're saying education is kind of the focus because a lot of the times when I consult on social media, I ask people to focus on education. Because that's the best way to get people to use your products or services is to educate them more about your products and services Mm -hmm. so that they understand how they work and and why they need them. So let's talk about, okay, let's say I was to hire you and it's it's an e-service. You're not going to come to my house. Tell me just quickly, how does that work? Like, how do you figure out how to design for my space when you haven't actually been here? Great question. Number one question I get for sure. In short, how it works is that you would go to my website, you would look at the different packages that I have that are available for purchase, and you can see in there exactly what you get per package and which package is best for which challenge. Looking through there, you pick your package, you buy it, it takes you right to a payment page. As soon as your payment is processed, you get two things. One is you get rerouted to the scheduling page. So you can look through my schedule and pick a time for a one-on-one consultation, which is included in the package. Mm-hmm. And you can book it right from there. Then you get a Zoom link and see your calendar and we're all good. And the other thing you get is a client intake form. So this really takes the place of what would happen if a designer came to your house. And it asks you all of the main questions that I would ask you if I was standing in front of you. So What is your challenge in this room? How does it need to function? What do you want it to look like? What inspires you? What do you love? What do you hate? How many people use the space? So all of those things asked in pretty specific questions. And then there's an opportunity for you to take measurements of your room and also upload photos. So you can upload photos of your space. You can also upload photos of different furniture pieces that you may want to keep. 
You can also send me your Pinterest link there through that form, and I can look at your boards to get a really good sense of who you are and what you're all about and what you love. So from that, I take all of that information and I really do a pretty good dive into it using my experience and, you know, the training and all that stuff and come up with a plan. And so depending on the package, you may get a mood board that has the basic idea of the look and the feel and and what I think needs to be done, including some key pieces of furniture and probably colors, you know, paint colors, patterns, all of that stuff to help guide you. You may also get a 2D plan that shows you exactly what your room looks like and exactly where all of the pieces of furniture I'm recommending should be placed. In addition, you will also get, and this is the big thing that people kind of get excited about when they realize the big part of this is the technology exists now in a way that I can do a very accurate, very realistic looking 3D version of your space when I have all of that information. And you can see the walls color, you can see the furniture in the room, you can see, you know, everything. And you don't need any special software, you don't need to be tech savvy. That's all taken care of on my end. So one of the other pieces, there's some add-on pieces you can do as well. So if you wanted to have a complete shopping list for me, it's no problem. I will send you a shopping list that has clickable links. So all you have to do is click on it, buy it, get it delivered to your house, then it arrives. And that's part of the difference between me and a more traditional designer. It really puts the flexibility back in your hands. I think gone are the days when you need to pay a designer to order you a sofa online, because honestly, people are pretty comfortable with buying their own things online now. So if you know, what you are paying for is the design expertise. What you're paying mm-hmm. for is the curated list of things that I think should be in your room and where to put those things. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it totally it's a makes lot, sense. But it's... It makes sense that this would happen, like it would really come to the fore during COVID when we weren't meeting in person as much and when people were spending more time at home and wishing their space looked or functioned better or differently. So all of that makes perfect sense. So let's talk about, okay, what kind of content is Suzanne really comfortable making? Hmm. You know, I've been thinking a lot about that, obviously, because the business is so new, but also because I was going to be talking to you today and looking for some advice and, and some tips and ideas. For me, there's a couple of things. One is the authenticity side of things. I have learned I am who I am. And although we can all improve upon some things and we all want to change some things, I mean, I think one of my strengths is like you, there's not a lot of BS about me. I am who I am and I have opinions and thoughts and ideas. And I'm also incredibly passionate about design. And so that's something that I want to share with people because I think that that's something that I can do. And I know not everybody can. So the kind of content needs to be really authentic to me. Mm-hmm. And authentic to the brand of Design Lingen Company. So if we think about formats for content, are you itching to make TikTok videos? Are you looking to do infographics? Are you going to use a lot of photos? You know, if you think about different formats of content, where's mm-hmm. your comfort level there? 
you know, I'm still trying to figure that out. I have to say, if I'm being totally honest, I'm doing a little bit of everything. I'm predominantly looking at right now, Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest, Mm -hmm. because those are the three that my research tells me that a lot of my target audience are using. But I have to say, I mean, I've never used Pinterest for business before. So that's very new to me. And things like TikTok and doing reels and doing videos, I'm sure I should be doing those, but it feels like it's not in my wheelhouse yet. So, so far, I'm really doing some little educate kind of little stories, infographics, lots of photos uh, from my work and from other people's work on things that I really love or or don't love or will reshare things that I've called through and found to be the best trends or the worst trends or, you know, whatever it is. And I compile all that information and then share it back out to my followers because I think that they're interested in that. And then a little bit about my services because we are so new, but really focusing on why we're different, how we're different, where I've been so far, but I know that that's I can't stay in that space. It needs to grow in a different way. Mm-hmm. Okay. I know I signed up for your newsletter. And yes. have you already decided what's going to go in that newsletter? I have uh, been keeping a nice long list of things that I think might work. And in there is a combination, for example, and I think I posted one on my website under the freebies kind of resource section around how to do a gallery wall. Mm -hmm, Um, because that that is a question that lots of people ask. And so that will be similar to the content that goes up in the newsletter. So I really want to keep it to a lot of hands-on, useful tips and tricks and ideas that you can take away and do in your own space if you want. I think, you know, when you look at design hacks, They're all really interesting, but in my mind, if I'm going to put them out there to the people that are interested in following me, they need to be something that I would call designer approved and need to be done in a way that makes it easy for you to do it. So that if I was standing in front of you explaining how to put a gallery wall together, or if you were watching me put a gallery wall together, you would understand how it's done. Right now, a lot of them are how-tos and hacks. Okay, so let's take the example of the gallery wall, because that's already up on your website. Mm -hmm. And let's talk about how you can leverage that one piece of content to get more content out of it. So it's on your website. And to me, correct me if I'm wrong, but it's actually three photo images. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my, my first thing is, if this is the kind of content that's going to go out in your newsletter, my suggestion would be to actually turn this into a blog and don't use the text as photos, but okay. put it in as text in your blog, because yeah. that's information that Google can find, but Google can't find text when it's in a photo. So right. it can't see that you're giving a talk. It says, let's talk about gallery walls. It can't see that you've got tip number one, mark out the dimensions, unless you've put that all in the back end data section, the name and properties of the photo, which you probably didn't because nobody would do that. Um, So if you took this text and instead put all that text as a properly formatted blog and had the image inside of the blog of your gallery wall, like there's an image here of what the gallery wall should look like, then that would be much more useful for you for search engine optimization. 
But also you could take, there's 10 tips. I see 10 tips listed here. You can then take each one of those tips, create a graphic that's consistent with your gallery wall. Like you might want to create 10 slightly different graphics, or maybe it's 10 of the same template with tip one, tip two, tip three. There's different ways to do it. Mm -hmm, yeah. And then yeah. each one of those tips becomes a piece of content. So each one of those tips goes out on all of your social profiles and links back to this same blog post. So now you've got 10 weeks of gallery walls to talk about. You're, oh you're going to have gallery wall Monday for 10 weeks or however you decide to do that, right? So recycle, like leverage, yeah. this, leverage the crap out of this because this kind of content is perfect for that. That's so great. And, you know, it's one of those things I've done some reading and said, oh, yeah, I need to figure out how to how to repurpose this and to maximize, you know, all of the pieces. And there's so many pieces out there. I, I'm not concerned about running out of ideas, but I am concerned about the kind of time it takes and whether or not I'm using the pieces in the best way and really maximizing that kind of information. So this is great. Well, the best thing about something like this where there's 10 tips is you can get so much leverage out of recycling these tips in multiple different ways. And I've got articles on my website that I will send you about all the different ways you can use something like this to get content. It's easier and it's less time consuming to break this one article down into 10 graphics and mm. then make certain kinds of videos out of it and have a webinar on it and do and, and, and all around this topic than it is to go and start a whole new topic for next week. Mm -hmm. Now, you need to start new topics. Obviously, you can't talk about gallery walls forever and ever, but you can talk about gallery walls once a week for 10 weeks very easily by creating those 10 graphics and having them all linked back. While next week, you go on and you talk about choosing paint colors. And if mm -hmm. you have 10, 10 tips for choosing paint colors, then you do the same thing with those 10 tips. And now... Like your content just lives forever, right? Your content is very evergreen. So it doesn't matter if I see gallery wall today and want to read this article, or if I see it the day before Christmas, or if I see it in three years, you might right. want to update information about paint colors in three years because trends change very quickly. But a lot of the tips are going to stay the same. Like your content is going to be good no matter how far in the future people see it. I have content on my website that has page one ranking in Google and it's five, six years old now because the information is still good. But Google can't do that for you mm -hmm. if, it's, if it's in a photo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny, you know, because I struggled with that and I knew it probably wasn't the best way to do it. But I didn't sort of take it to that next step to figure out what the best way to do it would be. To be mm -hmm. honest, I moved on to a different, you know, idea yeah. or an additional idea. And I really love really having a different way to look at it for sure. Because this makes so much more sense. Question for you. Sure. If you have a blog and you're encouraging people to sign up for your newsletter, mm -hmm. Should you really be doing both or yes. how do those work together? That was actually going to be my next thing was to say, right. yes, <laughs> do both. Absolutely okay. want to do both. Now, so my friend Linda Daly, who, you know, we're really close, like she's my business work partner, <laughs> if you will. 
she specializes in email marketing and she and I have opposite processes. She sends things out in her newsletter first and then adds them to her blog later. I put them on my blog and then send the newsletter out to promote the blog. So either direction can work. You just have to figure out which process works best for you. I just had a blog post come out this week about the five bare minimum things you have to do to promote your blog when you're running out of time. That blog came out on Wednesday, Wednesday morning, my newsletter went out to my subscribers. And in that newsletter, there was an introduction to the blog post, but I didn't include the entire blog post. So I've chosen to get people over to the website to read the entire blog post. And then the rest of my newsletter is filled with some of that other stuff you were talking about. Like I've got tool of the week events that are coming up where people can learn about social media, you know, an announcement about my podcast, the social media news that's happening, like all the big changes that are coming that people can sign up and and read about those so that they know when something's about to change. So I have this format that blog at the top, and then all this other stuff that I think is useful to people. To me, that's a newsletter right? It's not just a blog that you're subscribing to. It's a newsletter and oh, the blog is one piece of content in it. So that's Mm -hmm. one way to do it. Linda Mm -hmm. is similar, but her blog goes out and the blog is really the main content. So it's a matter of figuring out like how much other stuff do you have? And is that other stuff valuable for people to get in their email? Or is it something you should just put out in Facebook and Twitter, Pinterest, etc.? And I've seen both. I've seen people who like I do a lot of content curation in that list of all the changes that are coming to social media. None of that content is mine. It's literally a list of it says Facebook. And then here are the 10 things that are coming down the pipe with Facebook right now. Mm-hmm. And then it says Twitter. And here are 10 articles about changes happening on Twitter. So that's other people's content that I'm sharing. But I'm choosing which pieces are valuable to my audience, which is kind of what you were saying. Yeah, that completely resonates with me because it does make sense. I mean, there's things in the blog post, as you were saying, um, things like how to do a gallery wall, but there's other, you know, other things that I'd love to share on a regular basis, things like the design books that we're reading now, or some other people's content around. These are the top 10 trends that we hope leave the universe. (laughs) You know, soon, and these are some new ones, or these are maybe it's a better idea for me to figure out kind of what those subject matters are and create a bit of a template, for lack of a better word. Exactly. Um, Like you, you decide is this going to make sense? Are they subscribing to my blog or are they subscribing to the Design Lean and Company newsletter? If you just think about the two different words, they're very different, right? If you're saying you're subscribing to the blog, well, then really people are just expecting to get your blog posts. But that kind of doesn't leave you room in the expectations to sell or talk about anything else. Mm -hmm. Not that you couldn't. I mean, you can do whatever you want. But if you say they're signing up for a newsletter and they're going to get you know, the blog and tips and hacks and the best curated articles and information about the books that you yourself are reading right now, then that says, oh, okay, she's going to show me the best of the best kind of thing. Mm -hmm. That's worth signing up for. 
That's definitely the idea. Oh my gosh, I love this so much. Okay, so let's continue this on. You're going to put your gallery wall article on your blog. You're going to create the 10 tips that will go on Facebook, Instagram, and Pinterest, because that's where you're focusing right now. Then you're going to also take this and you're going to figure out, I keep saying you're going to, you could (laughs) figure out a way to make TikTok or Reels style videos that it doesn't matter where you create them. You can create them on TikTok. You can create them in Reels. You can create them in Canva, but you want to put those on all of your platforms. So you want that to go on Reels. You want it to go in Pinterest idea pins. You want it to go in Facebook Reels. You want it to go in your stories. Like It's the same content, but it's viewed in a different way. It's going to reach different people. And some Mm -hmm. people are going to come read the blog and some people are going to prefer to get it from a video. So you're using the same content, just putting it out in different ways. Reels are up to 90 seconds now. Can you do a trending reel or can you do a talking head reel that is just tip number two for 30 seconds. Yes. Yes, you can. Mm -hmm. So now you've got 10 tips that you can put out in reels and put those reels into a guide on Instagram. That is the gallery wall guide. And you can include photos of gallery walls that you've done and gallery walls that you find on Instagram and, and so on. So it becomes a resource hub on your Instagram profile. Oh no, we're having such a great discussion here that we've gone over time and we're going to have to take a break. Come back next week for the second half of Suzanne's Blossom No BS social media planning session. If all of this social media strategizing and planning sounds overwhelming to you, remember the first rule of being Flossom, take imperfect action. You are good enough, so just get started or ask for help. Did you know that I offer VIP no BS planning days? Sometimes you just need someone to get you started. I know I feel that way about things that are not my specialty. I just told a data specialist the other day that I needed him to set things up and then I'll be okay to maintain it. If you're feeling like that with social media, a VIP day might be just the thing to move your social media presence forward. You'll virtually walk away with everything you need to manage your own social media marketing or to hand it over to a virtual assistant, including a written strategy, a tactical plan for a whole year. Now, normally I charge $2,500 for this service and I only set aside three days per month for this. But since you're a loyal podcast subscriber, If you plug in the code BFLOSSOM, you'll receive a 10% discount. So go right now to twerp.ca slash VIP to get all the details.